have a lot of passion for what you're doing. This rings true because it's so hard that if you don't, any rational person would give up. It's really hard, and you have to do it over a sustained period of time. So if you don't love it, and if you're not happy with doing it, Another episode of John's Entitled Podcast, a partner of MoshPitNation.com. This episode is episode 100, a milestone, a landmark, some would say. And so I decided to reach out to a longtime friend, someone I've never actually really spoken to at length in person, and uh, that would be Mr. Che Hawk, Seamus Hawk, if you are nasty, as they used to say. And... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I, I wanted to have him on for the 100th episode. He has been an integral part of this podcast, being the theme song, the song that kicks off you know, everything that has been a part of this thing. Um, just a longtime friend, and uh, it just felt really fitting felt really fitting to have him come on and, and celebrate 100 episodes in. But someone that's been with me for the last little bit is Mr. Daniel Terry. How are you doing today? Doing great, man. Holy shit. 100 episodes. I know. I, I, That's... I figured I probably would have quit by now, honestly. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what you got me for. <laughs> to to uh, slay it off for another 100? Yeah, this is my first 100th episode. Uh-huh. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm excited to be here. I've had to do none of the work. And uh, <laughs> I got to say, man, I'd like to thank my mother. I'd like to thank Elvis. Jesus and um and John of course. <laughs> wow, I I come right after Jesus. Right after <laughs> Jesus. It's the JJs, you know. Uh, yeah. What you would know. John do? What would Jesus do, you know? You know, I probably wouldn't make a bracelet and sell it for money based off of something that people ask me what I would do. I don't think Jesus sold the bracelet. <laughs> well, he told someone to do it on his behalf. Did he? <laughs> Didn't he different create everybody? Discussion. Didn't he create different. everybody in his his own image? Isn't, different, isn't uh, that the isn't that the the crux of being self granulizing? <laughs> not 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 exactly. Um, <laughs> I mean, because then we could get we could get into the well. Did Jesus make Jeffrey Dahmer in his own image? Sure, sure. Why not? I mean, he died. But for that's his... a. <laughs> that's it. You know, it's funny. Jeffrey Dahmer actually became a pretty devout religious dude before he got shanked in prison. Well, you know, I'm sure once you've gone down the deep end on one side, you're like, well, let's see what this other side looks like. <laughs> right. It's kind of like Darth Vader turning back, you know? Right. Well, I mean, if you watch the Star Wars trilogies in reverse, it's pretty much what happens, right? Right, essentially. Yeah. So, um, anyway, that's a totally different discussion for a different podcast. <laughs> Episode 100. You know, it's kind of crazy. I've been thinking a lot uh, over this past week, looking back at some of the, the episodes that I've done and some of the guests and... And you know, honestly, it's it's one of those where there are definitely some where, you know, they're not all home runs, and but I appreciate you know anybody who's taking the time to to come on this thing. I mean, honestly, I, I think I think the the I can't remember the person who who said this on YouTube, but I think he kind of said it best when you look at the hundred episodes I've done and you look at who I've had on. And this guy just goes, "Who who the fuck are you? Should I know you? Are you someone important?" <laughs> And the answer to that is no. No, I am not. I am not anyone important. I am not anyone special. I'm just somebody 
who listens to a bunch of podcasts, who has a love of music, and you know, listening to hundreds of episodes of Kevin Smith's podcasts and Chris Hardwick's podcasts and all the things that those two have done, and you know, their their common sentiment between everything is just, you know, if you have a passion for something, just do it, just pursue it, have fun with it, even if it's only for you, and. You know, I started this, I had a, a really small idea of talking to people about their passions and so forth, and the idea initially was to kind of, you know, talk to people in bands and so forth that, you know, are interested in other things that maybe people don't know about and don't get to talk to, you know, the public at length about it. But then I kind of realized, isn't that sort of what the band thing is too? Like, it's something that they're passionate about, and yeah, they get to probably talk a lot more at length about it, but that's where maybe I as a inquisitive person just need to find a different route to go to get good answers out of them. And, you know, it's led me to talk to, I mean, still one of my favorite conversations I've had, which was still band and, you know, other passions of mine related, was, you know, having Andy from ETIT on. Yeah. I mean, that was a good one. It was a lot of fun. I still listen to that sometimes after listening to his own podcast. I'm like, I just like the few moments. Like, there's a lot of, like, funny moments because he's just a genuinely funny dude. And, you know, talking, it's kind of weird in, in the sense of, like, you know, the one I did with uh, Porter from Atreyu. It's like, I was really nervous about doing that. And then it's like, I think I maybe said this the following podcast, but it was like, you know, when we're done chatting and he lives in, you know, Germany now and you know, we're on like a six hour time difference and, you know, I'm grocery shopping after the interview and, you know, I send him the text like, Hey, thanks for doing that again. Uh, and basically that was it. I didn't expect anything more. And then I just, you know, we just kept chatting. And then, you know, now over, over a year later, you know, like I, in as much as someone can be friends of, with someone, you know, that doesn't <laughs> live near nearby or whatever. But I mean, it's genuinely like a thing where it's like, I would say we're, we're friends and it's, it's weird, you know, like to have looked up to that band for so long and him especially and, and so forth. And now kind of call him, you know, a friend. It's, it's very interesting solely because I started this thing. Right. And I think the coolest thing about all of that is that, you know, you're getting to finally hear yourself interacting with these people. I think that to like, to me, not, not that it's all about us, but like just, getting to hear somebody that you respect and you followed for a long time, just getting to hear them interact with you and being able to play that back. Like to me is the coolest part of it. And, uh, and really getting to know people on a deeper level than just like, Oh, Hey, uh, do you remember when I, you played that riff on that album? Like that was, that was awesome. <laughs> you know, like it doesn't have to be the Chris Farley show, you know, it can, it can be something a little bit deeper. And that that's one of the things that attracted me to this podcast was just that, the conversations that really hit are the ones that are personal. Yeah. You know, the ones that, the ones that are more heartfelt that like, Holy shit, there's a human being behind this whole deal, you know? And they're an interesting human being because I think all human beings have the capacity to be interesting. But sometimes when you're a musician or you're a public figure, it's a little bit harder to open up to people. And, um, I think that's the most rewarding part about all this is getting to know people that you otherwise wouldn't have gotten to know. You wouldn't have known their story or anything about them really other than the, the products that they put out. You know, you're putting something out there and it's kind of weird now to be judged as something that people come to. And, and I don't know if you've had that with discography discussion or being on anyone else's podcast, but it's just been very interesting to kind of see how people perceive you as the person to be versus how it is for you. I think you and I were talking a little bit ago um, about how, you know, sometimes in talking to these people, it's very surreal because it's like you're, you're, you know, with the headphones on, you're locked into a conversation with somebody from anywhere from 20 to 20 minutes to an hour or more. And 
then you're done and you go back to whatever it is you were doing and it's like changing diapers yeah yeah you know you just go back to whatever and it's like you know short of like getting somebody like oh my like you know most of my family and a lot of my friends don't necessarily know all the people i'm talking to but like when it's like you know hey i got jose from incubus and people are like holy shit and i'm like yeah okay like you at least know incubus like the common person knows who incubus is so getting someone from incubus is a big deal and it was one of those where it's like okay like now i think people sort of can understand like what this thing is and it's not just something i go hold myself up into a room and talk to you know nobodies well like you were saying john about like you know just putting it up there unedited and just in its in its glory you know you wanted everybody to have the same experience that you had you know uh would you know which was super positive and yeah i mean people are always going to talk a little bit of shit you know like yeah sure people have talked shit on discography discussion dan's annoying or too opinionated or too loud or or whatever you know what i mean like all that stuff. And honestly, I always just take stuff like that as like, cool, people are listening to my shit, you know, but uh, I think, I think it's funny though, you know, with obviously, you know, we're all better at editing than we were on day one, you know, (laughs) but uh, you know, I think the thing is though, is I think sometimes if people like, if people heard the shit that we say on this podcast, just when we're talking to each other, that we don't include in the podcast, like people would be, they would be cracking their shit up, you know, like um, some of that, some of that behind the scenes stuff is so hilarious to me. And it bums me out because like, you know, we edit, like you and I will do an episode. You and I will probably talk for a half hour prior or a half hour after. And uh, you know, it's like, that's almost a whole another podcast worth of, of stuff. But we know that like, if it does, if it's not on topic, it doesn't really matter, you know, so to speak. Yeah. But uh, it is interesting. I think uh, I think hopefully at one point people will uh, find us entertaining enough to want to actually hear some of that stuff. And, uh, you know, I think uh, I think it's cool. Like, I'm I'm all about the long podcast, like long free form, because, like, I tend to like the longer interviews, longer discussions, you know, because, like, I hate doing like a 20 minute interview or, you know, or or when the when the person has really canned answers, like you could listen to any podcast they're on and they'd tell you the same thing, you know, and that sort of stuff, you know, really bugs me. And that's uh, that's what's so cool, though, is, you know, I feel like with some exceptions, we've more or less avoided that, at least since I've been on the show. We've at least even if we have a limited time frame or a limited window, you know, you're, you're able to pull stuff out of people that is interesting and fun to listen to. And uh, I don't know where I'm going with all that, but it's just, you know. Um, it's just been a really good experience for me to, to get to talk to a few people, to get to kind of listen to your interview style and kind of, um, learn a few things. Cause like I said, on my, on my interview, like I've never been strong on interviews as far as, uh, as far as my other podcasts, like we basically are just guys that give their opinion on shit, you know, but, uh, you know, getting on here and doing, doing the, uh, doing the actual conversations and getting a little bit deeper on things. Um, that's what I'm most excited about, man. And I think, I think if everything works out well, we'll be on episode 200 and, you know, be like, holy shit. Can you believe, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, speaking to what you were saying about the whole, um, you know, get the, the conversations and the things we say before they potentially get edited out and all that kind of stuff. I think, you know, what I've kind of been realizing too is it's not really so hard doing two episodes a week. And the whole reason I started doing the two episodes was to kind of get content off my computer that I've been sitting on for so long. Right. And uh, I think what I'd like to do, and, you know, we've talked about this quite a bit, is is to potentially, 
you know, we'll have one interview or so that we'll try to do a week, you know, and maybe we'll be ahead just as I think any good podcast should be. But I think maybe what I'd like to do and what we've talked about doing is maybe making, you know, one episode like the maybe the one that goes up on Sunday. That's the main interview. That's the, the discussion for that week. And maybe Wednesday becomes or Thursday, whatever, whatever day it ends up becoming. But I think the Sunday Wednesday thing kind of works. Um but then Wednesday becomes a thing where maybe we talk about some new music that came out, some some you know just kind of us bullshitting, like kind of like the thing you're talking about that you enjoy is just us yeah. having a conversation. Um, very much looking forward to the next uh, next hundred episodes, and I think we're gonna get to two hundred a lot faster than we got to a hundred. But very much looking forward to it and seeing where where we are in another hundred. There you go. So without further ado, this will be my conversation with Shay Hawk. I'll talk to you at the end. <laughs> I'm ready, man. I, I got my, my beverage. <laughs> Cheers. To Cheers, 100. Thank guy. you, man. Thank you, brother. I appreciate it. Mm. All right. Let's get into this so that way I don't, I don't take up too much of your time. Cool, man. So I have the pleasure of talking with someone that I've known for a long time. And I couldn't think when I started doing this podcast, he was one of the very first five people I wanted to get on this thing and talk to finally. So it felt very fitting to have him come on for my 100th episode, a milestone episode. Someone that has supported me through all of the various endeavors I've gone into musically, as I have supported him over the last over 10 years. And I am speaking to none other than Shea Hawk. How are you doing? Hey, hey, John. Happy to be with you, man. Happy to be here. It feels kind of surreal because, I mean, it's like, you know, it went from trying to, to book you out here in the Midwest to, you know, wanting to try to do different various things with you to when, when I did this podcast, like I just said, like you were one of the first five. I was like, this is like my first five who I'm going after. And, you know, like you, you definitely agreed to do it, but there was a lot of caveats of like, well, I want to try to do this. I want to make sure this is lined up. I want to make sure, you know, like I, I come correct with it. So it was always like kind of one of those things, too, where I was like, all right, like he's playing hard to get. I got to I got to like you know, get my shit good to, like, where he's like, all right, he's on the level now. Like, now I can come fuck with this. <laughs> nah, man, it's, it's been an honor to watch you grow and evolve, and, you know, I appreciate you always looking out for me. So, of course, man, it's time. So, I always like to get a little bit of a background as to who you are and what were some of your influences growing up that made you want to be an artist in every sense of the word. Uh-huh. Michael Jackson, man, beat it. I would watch Beat It every day before kindergarten. You know, um, I remember seeing Thriller, how it just, you know, just completely impacted me. I was at my dad's office, man. That's my earliest memories, man. It's definitely Michael Jackson. But, um, you know, as I got older, it was definitely, you know, Snoop Dogg, Dr. Dre. Dre Day was another impactful visual that impacted me. And, you know, just always being around, you know, jazz music and music itself. And, you know, just it just evolves with that, you know. It's been kind of fun watching you grow. And I remember, as I said, like finding new music on, on MySpace. 
And I feel like, you know, for those of us who are old enough to remember what MySpace was when it came out, it really was for those of us who love music was a great platform and a vehicle for us to all find new artists that maybe weren't uh, mainstream or at the forefront of anything, but were just kind of like doing their own damn thing and getting their, their shit out. And that's I mean, that's how I found you. Like, I just found somebody who found somebody like I just kind of went page hopping and then stumbled across your music. And I remember it was it was meal ticket, actually, that I found. And I was like, oh, mm-hmm. shit, this is really good. And then, of course, you know, it's Pretty Boy Stomp where I was like, oh, shit, I'm, I'm a Needsid fan. And, you know, you got Keith like, wow, I've never heard Keith on something mm-hmm. like this. But before we even get to you as as yourself. I feel like it'd be a disservice to not talk about Noble Truth where you started from. Oh my goodness. Yep. And, you know, kind of talk about the Noble Truth years, you know, because I, I think there's a lot in the name and, and even in the music itself, it was, you know, drastically different from what you would end up kind of doing. You've always yeah. evolved. So, I mean, let's yeah. talk about Noble Truth for a little bit. Well, rest in peace to Noble Truth, man. He definitely taught me a lot with my growth, you know, Noble Truth. He came about my high school days. So when I was about a junior, I started doing my own things independently, uh, working with producers in school and, you know, some of my older peers that were around me in the community. But, yeah, man, that was my, my first real page in, in the art and, and working with others. And, yeah, you know, Precise Precision was definitely a popular piece that I was able to, you know, print, physically print. I was that dude who had the CD, you know what I'm saying, the first show that, uh, uh, first real big show that I did on my own was at Showplace Theater where, you know, people came in, 10 bucks, they got a CD, but they got the show. And, you know, that was definitely the first uh, groundbreaking experience for me as uh, as an artist and, you know, through MySpace. So, yeah, that was definitely the channel that, that turned a lot of attention on to me. So, yeah, rest in peace, Noble Truth. Being able to look back now at at that time frame, you know, a lot of people in their high school time frame or in their early, early, late teens, early 20s, a lot of people don't know who they are, don't know what they want to be. And it has seemed from an outsider's perspective, you've always kind of known that this is something that you you wanted to do something creative, creatively and that you always wanted to be an artist. I mean, yeah. even kind of looking at the videos if if you can find them on the internet of noble truth uh <laughs> there's there's narratives even back then to go along with yeah. with the songs and it's like you know to be so young and to to have the thought to to think of everything as as a whole not just an individual like i have the music i have no no creative thoughts of what it looks like to represent my art in a visual format it seems like that's always been something you you've want you've married very well is a Thank narrative you. visually to your your narrative vocally Thank you. Thank you. You know, I, I applaud my upbringing, you know, my friends, my high school experience, you know, um, definitely helped to cultivate my creativity. You know, at an early age, I was watching a lot of things beyond my time and listening to things, you know, and I was was around older peers. So I was able to get a lot of that, those those teachings, that knowledge as as a seed. So um, but yeah, I appreciate you acknowledging that, man. That's that, that's definitely something I do take pride in. Definitely. So kind of in shifting from Noble Truth, kind of the, the, the early beginnings, you know, you started off, what goes into, you know, ending one one career as, as an artist under one moniker to where you then kind of become comfortable with becoming yourself? Mm. What, what goes into that progress and process? Yeah, growing up, man, age, you know, Noble Truth was, 
it got to a point in time as I got older, you know, my name is Seamus Hawk, you know, and I'm blessed to have a, a strong, beautiful name given by my parents. And, you know, people will call me Che. And, you know, as I was starting to really experience the, the, the music business and, you know, traveling a little bit and I was starting to veer away from Noble Truth. Noble Truth was more of, he was just seeking, you know, I was, I grew up listening to a lot of dilated peoples, you know, uh, deaf tones, you know, a lot. I was always, I wanted to seek answers as a, as a young kid. And I still do, but you know, there was a certain level of in, innocence that was, that was with Noble Truth. So at a point in time, as I was evolving as a brand, as an artist, um, even as a performer, you know, Che Hawk, you know, that's me, you know, and my music just started to evolve and, and, and manifesting to me, you know, so that's the best way to put it. Rest in peace, Sound Lab. That was a Sound Lab show where we, we buried the name properly, so. <laughs> a very, uh, what is it, a Viking funeral of sorts where you kind of like lay it to rest? Yeah. In the truest yeah. sense? In the, in the best sense possible, you know. You know, like having been a fan from Nickel City Varsity and, and the imagery of the album cover of you eating gummy worms out with chopsticks uh, still always sticks out in my head because there's something else I bonded over like in a really weird sense. is like I, I'm not much on chocolate or like a lot of other like I don't eat cakes and shit like that. Like that's not me. But mm. throw some Sour Patch Kids or like anything sugary and candy like I'm all about it so uh, like <laughs> it's like when i saw that i was like all right this this is an interesting like album cover and, and you know and i i didn't really understand that like nickel city is is a reference to buffalo like you, you very much have always even in your music even if it's fun like you know you take a song like pretty boy stomp or you take anything off of nickel city varsity where there's a little bit of it, there's a little bit of play but seriousness at the same time and you really get a sense of who you are which is kind of always why i wondered if if the change was that like you started focusing more on talking about yourself as opposed to a character that you were playing in noble truth mm -hmm. but you know even very early on you've always put buffalo like on your on your back on your shoulders mm -hmm. like you wear it with a badge of pride and you know a lot of people tend to you know do that with where they're from but like from such an early place like buffalo obviously has meant a lot to you so i kind of wanted to know as a as a native of buffalo what does it what does buffalo represent to you and and why has it always been such a, a integral part of your music to make sure that it is represented in everything you do well you know first you gotta think of the people that have come out of buffalo you know much respect to my brother keith buckley who definitely assisted me along my my path and you know you got bands like Snapcase and you know you got artists like Rick James and the one thing about Buffalo is is you know a lot of these these brands are actually other than Eaton have really popped outside of the city so you know it's it's a rust belt spirit um it's got an old guard you know a lot of old money they don't it's not a lot of vision with with the community but it's there's there's a a liveness to it there's a lot of unique characters there's a lot of people that that do stand out but it's like a bubble you know, so with Nickel City Varsity, that was more of the, the youth experience. You know, it's definitely a drinking town. They, they have huge pride, you know, and, you know, we're definitely special. You know, we have something unique that the world has still yet to really identify and tap into. But that's that's pretty much that was the channel. You know, that was a channel that kind of came out of the sound. Big ups to my man Jay, you know, a lion. He's a. It's a long-time collaborator. That was the project that got us a lot of the attention. You know, you, you know, Meal Ticket was produced by our guys, Young Boys. Um, and, uh, you know, Keith Buckley was a huge, 
assistance to to you know me finding my way out when I was um, I had management out in Connecticut and I owe the Nickel City Varsity Image brand to to them to to Peter my manager at the time he 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 saw that vision and, and we executed it you know but I've always been a candy fan every show I would throw out you know miscellane- miscellaneous treats you know so yeah but you know I don't know if that really answers your question about the spirit of of the town or you know i uh well i mean i'm gonna find out firsthand in december what what buffalo is all about because I'm, I'm coming for the eats it christmas show finally hey now we so, can officially we can officially you know throw some whiskey in the air we can do we can do that i'm looking forward to it kind of speaking though to you know in the last like couple of weeks of listening to your discography and, and kind of really trying to find things maybe that i have missed over the years of listening to your music Something that I kind of identified with from going from Nickel City Varsity to Journey of a Bluesman, which was your next record, was I kind of started realizing how it represents literally like different phases of growing up. So it's like mm. Nickel City Varsity to me was like your young 20s. You're having fun. It's it's the time of your life. You're you're out of school. No one can tell you what the fuck to do. It's that young, young <laughs> attitude of just like, I fucking got it. Like, I got mm-hmm. it here. But then you get to ju- journey or uh, journey of a bluesman. Blues of a journeyman. Blues of a journeyman. Sorry, I flipped it around. Okay. Um, I kind of like the other way though too, because it kind of goes right where I'm going with this though. But it's yeah, like it you listen to it, and and just from the opening notes of the song, like from the album all the way through, it's about the kind of trials and tribulations of trying to find who you are becoming as an adult from those yeah. early twenties and the mistakes you make, and just the, the the and trying to figure out who you are trying to become mm. and there's so much of that where I, I feel like you grew so much as a person and as an artist and I kind of wanted to, to have you you know talk a little bit about that assuming I'm mm-hmm. right of course yeah yeah well tatted on my flesh is trials and rehabilitations one of the tracks off of the noble truth projects precise precision but um, yeah, you hit it on the nail, man. You know, I, I've just been very sincere with my craft and being honest um, through my music of, of the experiences that I live. You know, um, I, I never could really get into that fiction. You know, rap. A lot of artists, a lot of kids can go into this 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 this, this reality this reality rap. <laughs> well, make believe reality. You know, where I try to stick it to my reality as best as possible. So. To, to grow and now um you know the content that we've been currently working on and, and where i'm at as 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 i get older man you know it's just uh, it's been a, a blessing and an honor to stay true to that and, and stay true to the craft because it's been rewarding me with with great material and you know it, it's it's it keeps me going you know and, I, and things are getting better you know and yeah i'm really excited you know, kind of in speaking around that time, that was where you were, you know, working with, uh, was it Joel Madden at the time? Joel Madden was on the album. I wasn't yep. wor- working close with him. I-, I was working with his brother, Josh Madden, okay. um, who's a tastemaker in the community. And, you know, um, we were able to get the record through one of uh, his engineers. And, you know, yeah, that was definitely something that really connected with the type of vibe you know what we represent you know coming out of a struggle but you know that's what life is man you really got to embrace and and learn from those struggles so that was a perfect you know match excuse me you know and kind of thinking back to that time frame too you had made friends with the i think it was the white tie affair and even guested on a song of theirs 
Uh, I think yeah. they did some of the dates of Warp Tour that they had done, I believe. Yeah, it really all started with Forever the Sickest Kids. You know, mm-hmm. my man Kyle, he uh, discovered me on MySpace. It was a weird scenario. The, the people that I was working with in Connecticut, they were bumping nothing but Forever the Sickest Kids. And I think there was a song called Hey Brittany or Oh Brittany. <laughs> you know, they they would always, you know, make fun of this chick with that song or something. I don't know. But, you know, and random enough, like probably about a month since being in Connecticut, I just get a random MySpace inbox from Kyle from the band late at night. And I was like, what the fuck? It was just <laughs> it was so random, weird. But, you know, we followed up and he was in New York at the time and they just brought me out and show crazy love. And then from there, it just stemmed into, you know, labels paying attention to me. And I was able to get the attention of uh, my man, Sean, from the White Tie Affair. And, and they showed me crazy love and, you know, much love to all my brothers in, in these bands because they just gave me my early experiences to, to really latch on to and learn from. What kind of things, you know, going with bands like that that aren't necessarily in your, I would say your demographic, it's kind of hard to say demographic because I don't feel like you. I feel like you apply it to or a people wide demographic, but well, especially then I know what yeah. you mean, but especially then. But you know, like, what is it? What do you, as someone who like gets to, you know, you went on these tours and so forth, and you know, I've kind of spoken on this podcast about the experience I had when I went to Warp Tour last year and got one of those like no escort needed passes, and my thing was just watching the people working at Warp Tour really. Mm is what I paid attention to. Cause it's just, it's, it's mm-hmm. so crazy to see shit like that as someone who puts on shows, just to, like this, this Zenith of putting on a show night in and night out at this level. So as yeah. an artist for yourself, what is, what is going around on some of these tours or going to like a warp tour that at that point in your career, what does that look like for you? Like, what are you gleaning from everybody? I was just soaking it all in, man. The, the experience to, you know, perform in front of a different complete different marketplace uh to see how the bands work together to see how friendships are made on the road you know um a lot of camaraderie you know a lot of great positive energy in that type of community you know um you know you don't really see that too much in the hip-hop community based on the work ethic of the the rock bands because they're always on the road you know they they rely on that now since hip-hop is and rap is the most popular genre now a lot of these kids are getting active like that culture you know they have to so but at that time it was just great to see the love you know and and cats just out there playing their songs and playing the hearts out every night so it was it was something that uh i really held tight to and and look forward to experience with my right with my team and and doing it right you know no totally and and you know i i always it always was just kind of crazy to see like it seemed like you were always like potentially just one other connection away from just blowing the fuck up like at that mm. point like it just seemed like you're like i'm on warp tour with these people and it's like mm-hmm. all right like warp tour is just like a hotbed for like just you know networking and networking and networking mm-hmm. and you know you get someone like kevin lyman who if he takes mm. to some you know he loves finding the small bands that no one knows about Mm. And and making stars out of them and putting them in front of people to to be successful like he knows that they can be. And so, so is, it, is it true? Is it true that it's a rat for what tour? So no here's more? what here's what I've heard, and you know, you know people on the tour. I know people on the tour. Here's what I think is going to happen, just from somebody who pays attention to shit and just how things seem to be. It's no, there are no touring festivals like this anymore. 
Uh, when your mayhem festivals, all your metal festivals, your Ozfest and so forth, your have gone away. The way that it seems that it needs to go now is it becomes destination festivals. Mm. So at this point, I think you know all they have said and very much have made very poignant to to point out. This is the last full country run of Warp Tour. Mm. Not that it's the last Warp Tour; it's the full run of the Warp Tour. So mm. I think if you're paying attention to the verbiage that they're using. It's that, it's that, it's the last cross country tour, not the last warp tour. I think you're gonna see warp tour, maybe do like four dates where you do a New York, you do a Chicago, you do Texas, okay. and California. That's my guess because you look okay. at something like Ozfest. Ozfest went away for a little bit, and now they pair up with uh, the Slipknot fest, the Knot Fest, and it's like okay. Slipknot versus Slipknot via Ozfest thing. So you get the Ozfest one day, and then you get the Knot Fest the next day, and it's like a two day festival in a destination. <laughs> they do like you know Mexico City, and then they'll do you know somewhere else. So I think that's I think that's the the model that the business has gone into now is that you can't sustain a full tour unless you're like of that nature. But you can sustain a traveling fest, and then that opens up instead of taking a band's, which is the, we, we can admit touring is the only staple that live bands or bands have to make money anymore. So instead of making a band commit and, and maybe overpaying a band to be on your full tour, if you're like, hey, insert whatever band here, like, if you could give us this one day while you're on a tour, that would work. Now you're on yeah. a festival. It's what, you know, the European festival market sort of does. Like bands base their, you know, tour routing around these festivals overseas where it's like we have we know we have these dates. And we're going to play some off dates around there. And maybe we'll pair together with some of these other bands and create, you know, a very unique package tour that's like three or four dates going somewhere. And then we branch off. And I mean, I saw Deftones. I mean, you brought up Deftones earlier. Deftones did that on the self-titled record where I saw them and it was Thursday thrice in Deftones. Gotcha. Uh, and then wow. as soon as that was a two day triple threat <laughs> and it was like deftones on self-titled thursday on war all the time and thrice just before artists in the ambulance had came out and then i think it was thrice that hopped off and then it was or no i'm sorry thursday that hopped off and then it was uh deftones uh poison the well thrice mm. Mm. so mm. i mean you see shit like that like if you go back in the day like a lot of bands did that where it's like okay i can fulfill you know these two or three dates then this band will come on we'll hop off this other band will come on and i think that's kind of what the destination festivals have kind of done is allow people to start pairing in weird like headlining type things uh gotcha so i think i think that's what it is i think that's what we're gonna see with warp tour it seems to make financial sense so the brand can keep going because it's still a strong brand and this is all from someone well, yeah, who. Salute to Kevin Lyman, man. I was gonna say this is all from someone who is not in the music industry at all, not in the music business thing. Just as someone who watches and listens to a lot of people talk. Nah, you're in the business, bro. You know what it is. <laughs> you know what it is, man. You're but a power player now. <laughs> I had someone tell me. Uh, shout out to Susie Cole. Uh, she used to. She was from here in Grand Rapids. Used to work at a radio station, uh, local radio station. Now is the like head uh, person at Apple Music for the rock and metal. Uh, hey. thing so it's crazy to see how someone from here can make it but like she made a comment hey. uh a while ago she's like you're media and i was like no, i'm not media she goes you're fucking media whether you realize it or not you now are media you're a part of yeah. this and i go you're you're a weapon man you it's... ask questions bro yeah so i mean it was one of those that like it wasn't until she said that that i, I very much kind of 
I felt like that that uh the kid in the fucking uh, one of my favorite movies, Almost Famous, when the guy's like, "You're the fucking enemy," and I was like, "Shit, fuck! I, I guess I am that kid now." That's like I'm writing or things that get said to me could be could make news or whatever, but I don't think mm-hmm. of it like that. So it's it's weird to think of myself now in that that realm. Yeah, well, welcome. <laughs> um, so kind of jumping off from from Blues of a Journeyman and going into Dance Party for the Heavy Hearted. You know, you at the time had teased that I felt like for a while, like, you know, that something new was on the horizon. I, I remember you telling me like you, you would sneak little like snippets of shit and you're like, you know, I, I keep, and you know, like I was saying earlier about how I feel like your, your music and the, the albums you put out represent a time frame, a time stamp yeah. of your life. And I feel yeah. like, so if I said nickel city varsity is your, your young twenties, your youthful exuberance, you know, blues of a journeyman is your mid to late twenties looking at the yeah. future of how you want to be, who you want to be as an adult. Dance party for the heavy hearted, I feel like, is you coming into yourself as an adult, fully realized, actualized as an artist. And not only did you really expand upon your sound, but you went somewhere completely differently with the visuals. Like you know, yeah. like, you know, you, you had made comments to me that are like, new music's coming, new music's coming. However, I have this other thing that I need to do to represent where I'm going. Yeah. And it became so much about the the full-on immersive experience. Like I was saying with the Noble Truth stuff where there's the, there's the seeds there, but it's now blossomed into this full-on thing. Mm. So, you know, I kind of always wanted to know a little bit about the 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 progression from blues of a journeyman to dance party for the heavy hearted for you as an individual. Well, with blues, that was when I was really traveling. You know, my goal was to make dance party for the heavy hearted. And, uh, you know, that was like a four to five year quest of, of trying to get to that space. But while I was trying to get there, living in, in California and Chicago and traveling around back and forth, um, that's how blues of a journeyman was conceived because it, it wasn't the vision that I saw for dance party, but you know, the only song that I made at that time frame was suburban vixen that was put okay. into dance that was put in dance party for the happy hearted, but you know, meeting new producers in California was, was blues. You know, I was able to work with my man, Sean P from white tie and blues, you know, Chris Wallace also from white tie affair. You know, we spent some time out in Carlsbad and, you know, you know, writing and recording. So I was really immersed in the creative process, um, you know, working with a writer and myself, you know, you know, cause I, I've done a lot of my content by myself, just working with other producers. So that was like my first experience really sitting down with somebody to help, you know, pull some things out from out of me. So um, during that stage, that was blues. And then, coming back home and, and recognizing, you know, where the internet was like Facebook and, and, you know, I'm back home. How am I going to make, how am I going to make this project? You know? <laughs> um, so I just, you know, saw what Facebook was doing, saw that there was a little community buzzing, you know, with, with, with uh, younger talent in my city. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's very hard to, to uh, market yourself in Buffalo because there's not many venue spaces that, are, are uh, open to mentoring. Um, there's not a lot of mentorship at all in Buffalo. And that's what I found a lot of, which was very discouraging, you know, which, which allowed me to move out 
to to live in these these spaces like Chicago or or New York or LA. That's when I found my true value. You know, when I left Buffalo was when I really understood my real value as an artist because I was working with celebrities and people you know were fucking with me. So um, coming back home, I recognized you know you know let me let me be for my community now that I didn't receive when I was young what I needed. You know, and I needed mentorship. I needed guidance. So I I just you know. Um, uh, turned up everything with team radio and we started throwing more parties, house parties, you know, bringing young opportunity to some talents around the city, you know, showing them that experience, you know, getting them out there. And, and while we were doing that, we were able to, you know, find specific talent, you know, and even from that, I ended up finding uh, uh, the young man Grabitz who was able to assist me with my creative vision for dance party. You know, he was definitely a, a super talented young man and, um, he, he came on board with me to, to help me with that vision. And, you know, creatively, we were able to make a lot of great, great content. You know, what's interesting too, to me, and I, I don't know that I, I ever really, I don't know that I ever really thought about this in, in this sense until like a couple of weeks ago, but in listening to, you know, your, because, like, you know, on, on Nickel City Varsity, you had Keith do the hook, basically, for uh, Pretty Boy Stomp. Uh, and then you kind of revisited that for a different interpretation of the song uh, after the fact. And then I think it was – I don't think it was on Blues of a Journeyman, unless it maybe it was. But I, I know that you guys, again, did, like, a reimagining of the song where it was kind of slowed down, like, halftime feel and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you end up doing – chin-ups with keith mm. and to me it's like it almost speaks to not only the creative maturity of you as an artist but i also feel like the working relationship with keith and maybe yeah. where he where he was at at the same time and then including john from snapcase in the, in the track too and i don't know if if you've ever really thought about that like how collectively like just there's a snapshot of you guys from from then like from nickel city varsity to the snapshot of you for dance party for the heavy hearted and just how much you both have grown. And, you know, you just spoke to you not realizing your worth until you, you, you left Buffalo. And I kind of have wondered, like, is that something that like maybe you and Keith were able to bond over, like the, the constant touring that that band had really done since then. And just kind of, well, regardless, you know, a lot of people don't know that Keith and I were born on the same day. Oh shit! So we're both Scorpio babies. So that connection is <laughs> that connection is real deep. So creatively, we just you know connected, and you know when we did chin ups, that was a process in itself. You know around the time uh, Lance Diamond, rest in peace. You know we were able to you know all come together at GCR Studios, um, which is the Google Dolls uh, space in Buffalo, and we were able to bond. You know Keith laid down the melody, and I was. It took me over a year to get the second verse for Chin Ups. You know, and oh wow, but the pro but the process of that was just so organic, man. And, and you know, uh, shout out to Woody's Produce out in LA. Um, he was also the one who did Nickel uh, Nickel City Bounce. Through, no, I'm sorry, Pretty Boy Stomp the remix. Okay, with Keith out of LA. Um, but yeah, he did that beat and. You know, obviously pulling in John because when I was a kid, there was, you know, a young man, uh, Jamie Searle, you know, who I grew up with, a good friend of mine. Um, he's in a band, Gorilla, uh, Giant Panda Grill Dub Squad out of Rochester, reggae band. But he, uh, you know, there was times where we used to smoke, you know, before class and he would put me on a snap case and, you know, just put me on all these, these, these different bands when we were in his Toyota minivan before we were in class. <laughs> and, 
you know, um, when I came to Buffalo, um, you know, I was getting tattooed by my man, Josh Woods. Um, oh, and, friend of um, ours, mutual. Yeah. You know, Josh, he always blessed me with the ill pieces. I, I need to connect. I need to connect with him, man. I need a Wally piece, man. I need Wally right. with a, with a right. shine sticker in his hand. So, um, but while I was getting tattooed by him, John was also getting tattooed by Don, you know, okay. tattooed Don's. And that was how I was able to meet John from Snapcase. And we formed a relationship, man, as, as early as I think it was like maybe 2004, 2003. So, um, yeah, it was just spirit of friendships, man. I, I brought it together the right way. I wanted to hear it that way. And they both blessed me that way. So um, I'm thankful for them. Do you... Out of curiosity, because I mean, I, it's hard for me to 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 know this since I was already a fan. But did that song, you know, with having the pedigree of John from Snapcase and Keith from Eats It, like with both of their brands being what they were at the time, did that kind of get you a different look from a, a different demographic at all? Of course, you know, of course, and that, that's always been a blessing because when kids come up they just say you know i don't really listen to rap but i I rock with you that's always been something that has been common you know in in conversations but the value of you know being accepted and and embraced by those communities you know that's you know you know i grew up listening to these records though as well i i've been a big part of of the hardcore scene and, and respecting the culture and you know you know but you know it runs deeper than all that shit it's just yeah being being you know but other than that, you know, uh, it's just been a blessing to have my peers who are in these legendary bands, you know, rock with me that way as a friend. So, hey. <laughs> kind of speaking, you know, to the, that album, Dance Party for the Heavy, Heart, Heavy Hearted, it was really interesting to see you come out with this trilogy of videos. And mm-hmm. so how, you know, I feel like you don't ever do anything half-assed and everything's, you know, thought out so far in advance. Did you know going into the making of this record that once the record was done and it came time to think about the visuals to accompany the record, did you know that you were going to do a trilogy and what those three songs were going to be and that you were going to tie something between all of them? No, um, it was more of the flow. It was more of the process, um, you know, dealing with the songs that, that uh, uh, we were feeling, uh, out the gate, you know, I know Heartlock was the first release, which was more of a dubstep blend. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, it was Remember This Night. And then, you know, I, I started developing a relationship with uh, my guy, Michael Lawrence, who was a cinematographer. He cracked it open with uh, um, the trailer. And then he introduced me to Alex Ameling, who, you know, was my collaborating partner on the visuals. Um, and when we were able to connect, you know, he, he didn't really want to make music videos. And I said, I didn't really want to make those motherfuckers either. I want to, <laughs> to do like, you know, more of a short film in essence of the spirit of the type of records that I'm putting out that can match that experience. So um, when it came to that, Chin Ups was Alex's favorite. And then, you know, when we wanted to make one more, um, I chose Dinner Place, and that was his least favorite. He didn't like that song, um, but, you know, a lot of people connected to that song. It's, it's really personal. It's really deep, you know. Um, but, yeah, it, it just turned out beautifully, and we got a lot of, 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 of touches, you know, from the outside marketplace. And, you know, um, yeah, yeah. So... I wanted to ask this because kind of a, a running theme from everything that I've been asking you is is sort of 
what you've learned from the process of everything from you know noble truth to to going into your own you know name and so forth and you know we kind of talked about the hat i'm wearing which is a you know team radio hat to me knowing what this hat literally meant to you with some Mm. shit that you went through That's why, and for those who may be listening who don't know, the whole point of the hat is basically, I think they picked a, an artist from a certain town in a few different cities to represent their, their towns and where they're from, uh, from New Era, that is, uh, and you were picked for to represent Buffalo. And, you know, it, it, it means a lot uh, to you, to, to like I said earlier, to, you know, what Buffalo means to you. It's always omnipresent in all your videos and all your music and so forth. And this hat represents, I think, who you are as an artist, who you are as a collective that you've grown with team radio and so forth. And so when someone, you know, tells you to take it off and you don't, I think that that really stands to show your character and what you believe in, because it's, it's not just a hat. It, it represents so much more. Correct. And correct. So for me, like I wear the hat with this more sense of pride. Cause I know what this hat means. Hey, um, I appreciate that. So my thing is this, I know you've already kind of done an interview about that whole thing, but I just kind of maybe wanted to, to know because you did make music after the fact of that, that whole incident going Correct. down uh, where you kind of talk about it. But I, I'm wondering since you haven't necessarily made more like a full on album and just given at the time of that happening, the political and just kind of the climate of everything going on in the world, what did that, what did that teach you? Um, to correct you, it wasn't the team radio hat that I had on. It was a oh, black, um, black Buffalo Sabres hat. Okay. Buffalo Sabres were playing that night. Okay. And literally the company that makes the hat being New Era is up the street. So Okay. I'm sorry. That, Stand cop, corrected. It's okay. The cop that, that checked me was a prick and he's now doing federal time. You know, he's responsible for a death Karma. at Molly's Pub. His karma's a real thing. But um, he told me to take off my hat where a friend of mine was DJing at this space, Toro. Rest in peace. Good for it. Um, uh, I just said, hey, you know, my man's the DJ. Let me give him the hat. And um, he said, no, that's not going to happen. And I looked in the club and I saw about five, you know, white gentlemen with their hats on dancing the night away. And I was like, hey, well, you know, they're wearing their hat. And he's like, well, you're not. So, you know. Um, something happened where, you know, he was distracted. I dipped into the club. My hat was off. He just pulled me out. But, um, you know, the ironic thing was, is we were there to celebrate. I was 10 people deep. We were there celebrating the commercial we just did for New Era. Right. Um, so after dealing with this cop, there was another young man in my defense. Uh, you know, he, you know, got a little rowdy or whatever. And then he had another security guard cuff him. And then, you know, me and this young man spent the night in jail over some, Nanny, you know, but like I said, karma is real. This dude is, is in prison. I'm, I'm out here. So um, that experience in itself made me question a lot about being an artist out of Buffalo, where it's very difficult to even put on for, for my city, for my community. And this is how they treat it. And it, and it, it was really uh, a, a weird feeling that I had, you know, spending that night, you know, in jail, thinking about that. And you know, you know, the next day my guy got me out and all we did was is we called the establishment to let them know what happened to me. And they were pricks about that as well. 
you know, talked to my parents about the situation and, you know, then followed up with another call and then they were pricks once again. And, you know, I got friends and, and they, they assisted me and it ended up turning into more of a story where we, you know, we also were able to put out chin-ups at the time. But yeah, man, my issue is uh, with the community itself, you know. So at that time, uh, we came out with a track called Snap Back with Integrity, uh, which was more or less a theme because the company did show love earlier, prior, you know, with with hooking TR with some caps, you know, but the value that we even, the value that we bring to a company like that is, is very top notch because we are uh, a winning undefe undefeated team out of this city doing some, some really great things creatively in the culture um, where personally I feel they don't do too much to serve the culture and the community that it, it, it that it's in, you know, they mm -hmm. still have yet to show that we've, we've done things together, but uh, since then, you know, it's just been interesting with, with the public, with the, with the Buffalo school system, um, the youth, you know, um, there's a lot of problems going on in Buffalo. You know, there's a lot of segregation. There's a lot of uh, companies that, that could be doing a lot more to provide opportunities for uh, the youth and to the athletics. Um, but, you know, people are busy doing what they're doing. Um, but, you know, when you're an artist such as, my, such as myself living in these things, you know, it's just it's what we write about. So um, but I, I appreciate you honoring the cat because that was a, a limited run, you know, can't say that ever happened again, but you know, that's what I'm saying. Hold on to that cat. You know? So kind of been wrapping up, uh, you know, what's in store with you? It seems like, you know, you, you're kind of mentoring, you know, you're talking mm -hmm. about that you, your city doesn't have a whole lot of mentorship, but it seems like you're kind of trying to fill that void uh, for some of the mm -hmm. local artists and, and what do you have coming up uh, with, you know, team radio with what you're doing and, and all that kind of stuff. Well, you know, I, I've been focused on, on my team. You know, I've been working with uh, my partners out of Niagara Falls, my man Sonny, my man Bless, Bless 3K. Um, uh, we've been working on some new songs, and everybody's been been putting their mind to the pen and to the paper and, and on records. So I've um, been, been just uh, developing a lot of projects here out of my city, you know, just, just you know, becoming more of a – business minded with knowing how to operate but you know working with my guys my creative spirit has still been able to fly so you know I, i've been you know putting the things together for my next project so we're, we're excited of, about you know putting that together i got the producers lined up it's just got to get busy but other than that oh right okay there we go so in closing uh i always like to have the the person plug their socials where can people find you yeah, it's chayhawk.com, C-H-A-E-H-A-W-K.com, and then it has everything tagged on the bottom. And then I always like to end these episodes out to a song, so what would you like me to play it out to? Oh, my goodness, man. Uh, ooh. <laughs> let's, let's do, let's do uh, Michael Jackson, Ain't No Sunshine. All right. I don't know why I just said that. <laughs> let's, let's, let's hit Michael. Let's hit with Michael. All right. Well, I want to thank you for, for doing this, for taking the time. I know it's been a long time coming. I, I much appreciate it. And uh, very much looking forward to whatever you got coming out next. And uh, lastly, I need to I need to get one of them shirts whenever you guys reprint it, even if I got to make one of myself. Hey, hey, you know, we'll, we'll get you. We got you. We got you. Well, thank you again for taking the time. And, uh, man. 100 episodes. Thank you again. No, John. Congratulations. Very proud of you, brother. 
Stay focused on it. Peace, man. All right, brother. Peace. So that was my chat with Shay Hawk. And I uh, just got to say, once again, thank you so much to Che for coming on and having a conversation with me like you kind of heard throughout the whole thing. It was a long time coming. I've known that dude for about 15 years now, dating all the way back to the early days of MySpace. And uh, guy's just been supportive in everything that I've done. And uh means a lot for, for me to have him on as my 100th episode. And, you know, to a lot of people, some of the episodes I either have already done and put out recently or the, some that I have that are upcoming might have been the ones that they might have deemed being 100 episodes. But I think if you can... If you haven't learned anything by this point about me is I'm kind of a little bit unconventional and sometimes it's not necessarily the biggest guest, the biggest name that means the most to me. It's it's the people who have been with me for so long and have there's like a lot of loyalty there. And uh, to me, I think that really came across in this episode. And uh, I don't know, I just really uh, want to say thanks to Shay again. And Dan, what do you think of it? Yeah, I mean, I, I you could definitely tell you've been wanting to do that interview for a long time. And uh, I think it's cool how it all kind of worked out. I mean, it almost seemed like a full circle kind of thing. Yeah. You know, and uh, and I thought that was really cool. Um, dude has a lot of cool stories. And, um, you know, I, I just really liked I liked the unconventional nature. I know recently we've been, we've done um, a little bit more formal style interviews. And uh, so it was kind of nice to have kind of a more of a kickback um, kind of back to your roots kind of kind of thing. I mean, when you start your episode off with doing shots, like, I think that's a pretty absolutely, <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. And, uh, you know, I thought, uh, yeah, he was super, super chill, just loved to talk. You could tell you guys have kind of known each other for a little while, um, but never got to have this chat, you know, and that was uh, that was interesting because, I mean, you, you heard about this guy on MySpace back in the day. I mean, that's that's old school is all shit, man. And that's awesome though, because that's the way we used to forge relationships online, you know? Um, but back then it was just passing messages back and forth. We couldn't just Skype in like we do now, you know? <laughs> Have you ever, uh, did you ever get catfished in the MySpace days? No, no. Um, I wasn't looking for love, but, uh, I definitely did meet some people that, you know, said they were who they weren't, you know, <laughs> there, there was a lot of that. Um, there was a guy on MySpace a, a long time ago that was like basically trying to say he was Josh Scogan from the chariot, you know? <laughs> and, uh, I was like, no, I don't, I don't, you know, like it just didn't seem legit. Uh, so I actually sent an email to the chariot's official, uh, email, you know, or whatever, and did actually get a response from the real Josh Scogan that was all like, no, I'm not on MySpace. <laughs> you know? like, it was so funny. But yeah, there was a little bit of MySpace cat, uh, catfishing back in the day. Um, but, Anyway, to, to, to more more to your point to the episode, um, no, I thought it was a really cool chat, man, and it sounded like uh, it sounded like you guys were really, um, really like I don't know how to explain it, but just very real, you know, uh, you know, dude's dude's not on promoting his book, no. or you know what I mean, like that no. sort of thing. He, he actually has like nothing to promote at this point, which I mean, yeah. I think if you go back through a lot of the episodes I do, you know. I think that's the thing that I enjoy is getting people who have nothing, absolutely nothing to promote because then at that point, like they genuinely just are having a conversation. There's no agenda of like, well, we got to get to this and, oh, let me ask you about this thing. It's like, no, you're just two people having a conversation. Right. Over shots. Yes. 
Um, but yeah, no, it definitely sounded like a bar conversation. And that's what I, the, you know, that's the kind of stuff I love. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've been out with my friends and been like, God damn, I wish we were recording this, you know, because sometimes it gets really cool. It gets really real. And, it, you know, it'd be nice in a perfect world to be recording everything, you know. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's kind of weird. Uh, I definitely know, like, and you know, and having listened to a bunch of podcasts, you know, a lot of people will say, like, oh, you know, when we were talking beforehand, or, you know, I was having this conversation and I was thinking to myself, like, oh, fuck, I wish I had the microphones going. And it just, it's one of those things where it gets very amusing to me, where, uh, you know, I, I've definitely gotten into that mode as well, where I'm like, ah, oh, shit, you know, if we were just re- recording that, that'd have been so cool, because, like, you know, the way it was, you know, the way you said something or, you know, a joke that ha- happened, it's like, it's, it's not going to be that set up ever again. And that's right. kind of what like sucks sometimes. So yeah, you can't recreate greatness. <laughs> uh, since the first intro kind of ran a little long, we're going to kind of get to uh, the business side of things. However, with a hundred episodes in, I've been teasing for a little while that new things are afoot. Uh, you know, adding Dan, that was a new thing. New intro music, that's a new thing. We've had sponsors come on, that's a new thing. The website, johnsontitlepod.com. Uh, it's, again, it's still not like 100%, but I would say it's probably 98% done. Um, so, I mean, go go check that out. Uh, I want to try to start driving traffic there. We're going to start having some cool stuff. Uh, if there are things about a website that you like, uh, that you've seen, let me know. Um, definitely want to try to make a very user-friendly uh, you know, website. But uh, very excited to have this, to have a, a home page literally for a home base for everything for the podcast. Uh, slowly going to start working on integrating all the, the news headlines the podcast has made. Maybe even make a uh, calendar of potential guests that are coming up that are confirmed. So that way, uh, as part of the new change that I'm going to bring up, uh, as of now on the 100th episode, I am going to officially announce my Patreon page is up. Uh, the Patreon page has been up for a while. Um, I just didn't feel the need to announce it yet. I kind of wanted to wait a little bit. And uh, I think now's the time to do it. 100 episodes in. It's kind of the thing you do. Um, it's real simple. You just go to Patreon, look up a John's Untitled Podcast. Uh, I will pop up. There's a little video uh, with Allie in it, my black lab, uh, you know, for the sympathy angle <laughs> to try to get some money out of you. And uh, basically... Um, I'm just kind of looking to try to have uh, most of my my costs for uh, hosting the podcast done. As everyone always says, podcasts aren't free. Uh, They're free for you. I'd like to keep them that way. But if you feel so inclined to throw a little bit of money to the podcast, it is greatly appreciated. And uh, we'll go basically back into the podcast. I know that's a sentiment that's been echoed to death. But um, I'm currently, you know, my laptop is is doing halfway decent. But uh, I definitely need an upgrade after it took a shit on me earlier this year. Uh, Tech support basically told me to start planning on getting a new computer sooner than later. And so uh, that is pretty much my next goal. I think uh, beyond that, I would even like to maybe get a, a better webcam. And then uh, maybe even get Dan one as well so we can actually start posting uh, video things. So if we end up doing the Wednesday chats where it's just him and I, like we can put it up on YouTube and it'll look a little more professional, kind of like a, a Scott Bowling-esque looking video. And, uh, you know, I just, uh, like I said, a lot of, lot, of lot of things I'd like to do with this podcast. And uh, as I said, Patreon is a way to do it. One of the perks as of now. And let us know feedback. Uh, let us know what you think of the perks that are on there. As of now, they're kind of generic. 
but I am having a new logo design made up for the podcast. It's not just going to be my face because I think that's kind of weird when you have somebody else on the podcast. It'll um, be my face. Yeah. yeah, we're going to switch it up for the other 100. We'll switch back and forth. Um, but no, so I'm having a podcast made up so that way – one of the things I wanted to do was make a get a cool design made up that would go good on a shirt and go good on some other things. And uh, so I will be selling shirts eventually. Um, and since I work at a screen printing place, I will actually have nice shirts uh, for the same price as a lot of places charge you for shitty shirts. Um, so we got a lot of stuff coming on. I think one of the things that I think was a lot of fun is there's a perk on there to uh, come on as a co-host. Um for some episodes it's not a whole lot of money uh but if you would like to just come on and bullshit with dan and i during the intros and such uh i think that'd be a lot of fun Uh, obviously that would be you know limited to a couple episodes um i also got a perk on there where you can submit a question for me to ask on the during a chat i'll let you know who's coming up and if there's a question you want asked uh you can do that and then even uh we're gonna start doing the cliche you know for a dollar you get a shout out on the podcast i think that's super easy and i think it's you know it's cool I, i've done it on a couple podcasts and i think it's uh it's kind of cool when you get to hear your name on on you know said aloud amongst a bunch of other people's names so oh yeah um, like i said patreon john's entitled podcast uh there's some perks we might be updating them uh as as we kind of get into it and kind of get more feedback from you guys but um just want to say thank you for the support over 100 episodes and anyone who's listened to this and uh yeah, so now we're going to do the the other cliche thing, which is plugging socials. If you would like to follow our show sponsor, The Bean Bastard, you can find them at thebeanbastard.com. Find them on Facebook and Instagram at The Bean Bastard. And you can also find Moshpit Nation at moshpitnation.com. You can follow them on Facebook at facebook.com backslash moshpitnation west capital MI. Instagram and Twitter are simply moshpitnation. And if you would like to find Dan, where can they find you? You can find me at Discuss Metal Dan on Twitter. You can find uh, my other podcast at DiscussMetal.com. And uh, you can always send me an email at uh, Dan and Joe Show at gmail.com. And if you would also like to keep up with, uh, with Chayhawk, like you said, you can pretty much find him, Chayhawk, super easy. Um, you can also follow his, uh, his crew, Team Radio. Follow them on Twitter, Team Radio, LLC, I believe. And uh, I uh, unfortunately had to edit out the... The new title of the new album that he's got that he's working on, but uh, rest assured there is new music coming soon, and uh, very much looking forward to hearing it. But again, if you'd like to keep up with Shay, keep up with Shay at shayhawk.com, uh, and on pretty much just search his name out on socials. It's a pretty unique name. Probably not going to find anybody else with it. And we are going to end this episode, as we always do, with a song. And as you heard Shay say, he wanted me to play Michael Jackson, Ain't No Sunshine. So without further ado, we're going to get into that, and we will talk to you next week. You ever want something that you know you shouldn't have? The more you know you shouldn't have it, the more you want it. And then one day, you get it. It's so good to you. But it's just like my girl. When she's around, I just feel so good, so good. Right now, I just feel cold, so cold, right down to my bones. Ain't no sunshine when she's gone. It's not warm.
die.